You are listening to the Marnie on the Move podcast flashback series, where we will be bringing you some of our favorite, most popular episodes from the archives. It's a blast from the past. So it started with me becoming a a fitness buff, ultimately a triathlete originally, and just kind of hating all the technology that was available. And I'm also a a nerd and an engineer and ended up starting Wahoo because I, I was trying to solve problems that I had with the tech available. That was Chip Hawkins. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salar. As you all know by now, it's Cycling Week on the Marnie on the Move podcast. And it wouldn't be complete without today's guest, Wahoo Fitness founder, Chip Hawkins. Founded in 2009, Wahoo Fitness is a game-changing fitness technology company that took the old-school, traditional indoor bike trainer and made it compatible with your mobile devices and laptops, offering riders insight into their heart rate, watts, speed, cadence, and great online training programs. Beyond its famous Wahoo Kicker Smart Trainer and the Kicker Core, the Wahoo Fitness ecosystem includes heart rate monitors, GPS bike computers, a very cool new rival sports watch, smart bikes, bike sensors, speed play pedals, cycling sensors, and the Sufferfest content and training platform, catering to all levels of cyclists, triathletes, and most recently, runners. Before we dive into my conversation with Chip Hawkins, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker and Alchemind Supplements. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Also, shout out to Alchemind Supplements and Dr. Daryl Joffrey. I am loving the Alchemind plant-based organic protein powder. It has three core alkaline proteins, Sacha Inchi, Pea, Hemp, and of course, it's sugar-free. It's been a great addition into my training and fueling. I'm also using their acid-kicking mineral mix when I'm out on the bike for hydration, as well as the acid-kicking greens in all of my smoothies, and their omega-3 and black seed oil supplements for inflammation and general health. 
Check out their website, getoffyouracid.com, and use our code MOTM20 for 20% off. Now, back to our guest. Today, I sync up with Chip Hawkins about where Wahoo Fitness began, the inspiration behind the brand and products, the ideation behind the game-changing indoor smart trainer, what the indoor cycling landscape was like when Wahoo Fitness launched, and how the business has grown and evolved over the last decade. We talk about what's new and next for the rest of 2021 and into 2022. Plus, we talk triathlon, windsurfing, and the big race Chip is currently training for. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. These reviews are just so important for the podcast, so I really appreciate it when you write something that you love about what you're listening to. It's easy. Head over to the app on your Apple device. Click on five stars once you are looking at the Marnie on the Move podcast. Click on write a review and tell us what you love. Also, share this podcast, this episode, or any conversation that you love with your friends on social, wherever you like to listen, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and tag us and we'll tag you back. And finally, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to my conversation with Chip. For all my listeners who are Wahooligans and dialed into the world and ecosystem of Wahoo, thanks for coming. We're just going to do a quick dial back with Chip to kind of where it all began. So take me back, Chip, to the early days of Wahoo. So it started with me becoming a a fitness buff, ultimately a triathlete originally, and just kind of hating all the technology that was available. And I'm also a, a nerd and an engineer and ended up starting Wahoo because I I was trying to solve problems that I had with the tech available. I started trying to get data from rides. Basically, I was trying to train for a duathlon and the systems that were out there just didn't work well. I had a, I bought a power meter because I wanted to know what my output was for, um, for outdoor rides. And I had a Garmin bike computer and you had two different head units. So I had two computers on my bike, which wasn't twice as good. It meant all the data was split in two different files. Right. And so I was coming home from rides and like opening Excel and putting files into Excel and like merging them and trying to make the timestamps line all up and things that you take for granted today, you couldn't do back then. So, you know, my initial problem was those files didn't work. And I saw this easy path. If I could just write an iPhone app and get all this data in my iPhone, then I could, then it would be super simple. And uh, the challenge was you couldn't get any data in the iPhone. It had a built-in GPS. So that was good. It didn't work very well, but it was there. But you couldn't get heart rate, you couldn't get cadence, you couldn't get power. And so I started looking into how I could do it and built this little ant key that plugged in the bottom of your iPhone. And it was simple. And I did it while I was running another business I had that was building floating boat docks, which is which completely is so cool. A- yeah. <laughs> so I I grabbed a few people. We were it was kind of the uh, during the real estate downturn. So the dock business wasn't really hopping at the time. And so we, um, yeah, we took our dock engineers and we built a ant key for the iPhone and, um, and we were able to get data in the iPhone. So all through this training, I also had a compu trainer, which I had a love hate relationship with. Um, it was, you know, it, it did everything the kicker did, but it did it in a just horrible way. Like mine 
it was the only one I ever had. So maybe it was just mine, but it wouldn't hold a steady power. It would go up and down, up and down. So it felt like you were going up and downhill when I was in erg mode, which, which is just holding a constant, supposed to be holding a constant wattage. And I could tell it wasn't. So that drove me nuts. And I constantly went through tires. So I was like putting a trainer tire on there. So my tire wouldn't pop. And then I'm so lazy. I'd end up riding my bike outdoors with a trainer tire on it. So I've got this nice disc wheel with a trainer tire. Anyway, I've been there. Uh, I started dreaming early on of better trainer, which ultimately turned into the kicker. And it was funny because with the key, it was a $49, $59 little electronic gadget gizmo product. And right. um, so we had that. And then we started making heart rate monitors and speed and cadence sensors. And and I'm dreaming about the kicker. And, and we had some success with those. And so I opened an office near my house, which is where I am right now. And kind of shook hands with my business partner in the doc business and said, I'm going to go do this. You know, it seems to be taken off. So then as I started looking at the kicker, it seemed crazy at the time because everything we built was you could hang on a peg at a Best Buy. We were in popular science and, you know, all the all the blog, tech blogs would talk about us. So like I was a cyclist and a triathlete, but we weren't really a cycling company. And And the kicker was like. $1,200 and it weighed 50 pounds. So you couldn't put it on a, you know, on a peg at Best Buy or the Apple store, but we did it anyway. And that really changed the game for us. Like it was an immediate hit. Uh, it just, and so that's kind of been the story of Wahoo ever since everything we've done has been um, triathlon related, originally cycling related, but, but I've always been more of a triathlete and then ultimately became the last several years more of a runner. And so we've got lots of running things in the background going on. And we finally, finally launched, um, you know, through the years, we launched a bike computer, the element, and that that's done really well. And we've, and, and we keep iterating it on that. And then last year we launched uh, the rival watch, which is kind of our take on a triathlon watch that really records a triathlon, which has been my pain point with the watches that are out there. You know, they, um, they had lots of bells and whistles, but every race I finished, it didn't have a good file and it didn't, it was a pain. Yeah. So now, now I get to wear my own watch, which is really cool. I want to ask you about that. But before I dive into all the cool things that you're working on now, like what was the landscape like when you launched the Kicker and the Amp Plus? Like what were there other trainers? Were people riding indoors? What was going on at the time? And was it challenging for you to convince people to start using this product that was kind of out there at the time? You know, it's funny. In my mind, I didn't understand why people didn't already use them. The CompuTrainer was really expensive and the software was really bad and they didn't market well. So I understood that. But at the time, Saris had the PowerBeam Pro, mm -hmm. which was a lot like the kicker, but they didn't sell any. And um, and they did. there wasn't any software for it. It wasn't open. So I kind of saw this. I had this vision of all the things that exist now as being just the natural way. And so I think we made... We made a better piece of hardware. It solved, you know, all the yeah. problems of the comp trainer and it took the wheel off, which the Saris power beam didn't do. Um, but really, I think it was just telling the story right and getting people excited about it and putting, you know, the er early on, there was no Zwift. There's none right. of that. So we had an app we called Segments that was like all it did, it ran on an iPad and you could open up, open it up and it would go let you pick a Strava segment anywhere in the world. And it would put the leaderboard up and then right. you could pick somebody and you could race them. And people at trade shows just were, were just Loving awed. It. Yeah. 
Yeah, because when you go look for a segment in your area, you see the people you know, and then when you're doing the little race up the hill in our silly little app, you're racing your friend or yourself, and um, and it was kind of an aha experience for people. So I, I think that helped, and then and then all the likes of Swift and Road Grand Tours and Sufferfest and yeah. you know, all these. Things. It's incredible now. I, I I like I think we we decided there were seven thousand trainers a year sold based on our market. Re- back in 2009 or 2010. Uh, well, that was the total market in the US for trainers because people didn't really train indoors. Like hardcore cyclists did and they kind of saw it as a very miserable thing. Yes. You know, it was I still um, hear sometimes from people when I'm out on the road that, that like that are cyclists that they just they really can't wrap their head around training indoors and they're like, "Oh my god, you're getting so fast." And I'm like, "Oh, well, guess what? I've been training indoors all winter." Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so that um that's obviously changed. I mean, I think it's still if you are on an outdoor ride, there's still a lot of people that haven't heard of us and haven't heard of indoor training and the penetration's not that great, but it, relative to where it was, it's huge. I and mean, we sell a lot of trainers now and a lot of other companies sell a lot of trainers, so it's neat to see how far it's come. And I'm sure you you were sold out during the pandemic. I remember trying to get a Wahoo <laughs> during the pandemic. So because to tell you, I've had a Compu trainer for a long time and I think I got it when I got it and I, I think somebody had a Compu trainer, a coach that I worked with that was selling it on try and sell this and I bought it and I loved it, but it definitely was, it's like a dinosaur. You know, they had, I remember the programming, the Iron Man, like a CD that you put into your computer. I don't even know where that is. And the Wahoo really was a game changer for this whole scene. And I feel like, you know, over COVID, I was like, okay, it's time to to get the Wahoo. Uh, and then it was sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We did okay. everything we could. The whole world wanted to train indoors all of a sudden. And it was a very unexpected phenomenon. So yeah. Was- but that's a great, that's great because now they're back. Like I know my partner ordered one, you know, she got a Wahoo and the kicker and uh and it's great she loves it it's awesome it's like if you have a bike and you want to train indoors this is the thing to own and and so it really started with the amp plus and the kicker and then you kind of moved into different products around the world of cycling and and now you mentioned that you have this multi-sport watch so tell me about the rival and what the cool bells and whistles are about this new watch that you you have well i mean there's a try watches have been out for a long time so it's hard to come up with super bells and whistles but for me it was really recording a triathlon whether or not you're have a lot of blood in your brain and you know like typically if you're you're just not thinking about your watch right and i would contend you shouldn't have to and so it will automatically transition for you. I never record my triathlon because I forget to hit the watch. Yeah. So I, and I would hit it and then you would accidentally hit it when you're taking your wetsuit off and then everything it's like game over. So that's really the fundamental thing that we've done is try to make those transitions automatic. Or if you hit the button, that's good. You get the exact time. Or at the end of the race, if you get your times off of the, the timer, you know, off the race, the race results, you can go and edit the transitions, you know, for a minute this way or that way so that your data is actually your data for those 
political people that really care that they have their race result and know just what they did. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a huge part of it. And then, um, and then just making it easy to use. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to go for a run or a ride or a swim. And we're trying to get the basic features to work, you know, better than anyone else's um, without necessarily doing a bunch of crazy features. And I, and I think we've done it. And I think um, I like the way it looks, you know, we always spent a ton I'm trying to make it look good, which is not easy for a watch. There's a lot of competition in the watch space. So um. there is. I thought it was interesting your strategy to go from indoors to outdoors and now for people to really see the watch as a multi sport watch. And it's also for running. You started with cycling and now you're kind of getting into other sports and you're also going from indoors to outdoors. So what's this mindset or philosophy behind that in terms of business and growth and different categories that you're looking to build? For me and the marketing guys hate to hear this. Most of our products have been personal pain points, you know, and once we're in a category that changes, like we need to iterate, we need to have different, you know, we have to have the good, better, best kind of in each category, but yeah, building the kicker was cause I hated the computer trainer and, um, you know, building the bike computer was cause I hated the other bike computers that were out there. And with the bike computer, I tried to get people to ride with an iPhone for the longest time. Like we had a really good iPhone app and it did everything, but, uh, the iPhone's just not, yeah. Or an Android phone, you know, they're just not ideal for that. They get the batteries don't last long enough. They're right. not that tough, but so that that ultimately was, uh, that was what I want. I, I would, and it's funny. I always say I would group, I would ride with my friends, you know, like they're on a master's team or cat one, cat two guys, really fast guys. And they would never put their phone on their handlebars, but they'd always be like looking at mine, really curious. Like, and I'm like, hell yeah, I've got all kinds of data you don't have. Look at this. Uh, but ultimately I, um, we gave up and kind of said, all right, we're going to build the element and, uh, and make a, you know, a form fitting bike computer with better battery life and the same, same I was going to ask you about the battery life on that. Is it really long? Because my, I don't have one, right. But I have something else, which I don't use because it only lasts a couple hours and, not going to name names. I don't use it anymore. <laughs> and it's fine. But it would be nice to not have to always look at my watch, you know, to see what's going on. And I was just thinking about that because I have some races coming up. It's interesting. So yeah, what is the battery life? And it depends on the computer. But the, starting with the element, I think we've always been better than like 16 or 18 hours. That's it's, great. Think about it once a week, unless you're just a inhuman rider that rides a tremendous amount. Definitely need to think about it every day. You can get several rides in between charges. And then you also have pedals, power pedals. You acquired that company, right? Yeah. So if you think about with the kicker and indoor training, it's all about power and, and doing training plans and getting more efficient. And so when you go outdoors, we couldn't get power without telling people to go buy a competitor's product. So we have the bike computer, we have the training system through Sufferfest, we have the kickers. And so it always made sense to have a power meter. And, and as I looked at the landscape, the, you know, it didn't really make sense to go do a me too product and, and pedals make a ton of sense because you can move them from bike to bike really easy. And so when I kind of decided, okay, we need to make a set of pedals, um, then it came down to what, um, you know, what form factor. And again, it gets to me too. We can make look pedals, but there's already a few of those. And so I, I reached out to Richard with Speedplay and ultimately we ended up buying Speedplay 
just so we could have the best pedal platform in the world to be able to deliver a power meter in that form factor. And it's been really cool because they're awesome pedals. And so we're having a lot of success just kind of modernizing that platform and selling pedals, which is wasn't exactly why we got into it, but it's neat because they have some, those pedals have so many advantages. They're double-sided, they're lighter, you can corner better without worrying about hitting the ground. And so, but ultimately that was so we could deliver the power pedals, which I'm really anxious to get out. They're not quite out, but they're close. Um, we've got a lot of sets around the office and people they're, love They're them. not out. Yeah. We re-released this speed play with some, um, just kind of modernized them. So you don't have to grease them anymore. And um, there's square parts we improved. So we, we had to kind of retool the whole speed play line. And at the same time, we've been working on the power pedal. So, and we've announced it, so it's not a secret, but we don't have enough yet. Uh, we're trying to get our production up so that we can start selling. I feel like sometimes that's a good problem to have, but also yeah. not. But yeah, you know, people are who are in the Wahoo universe or the Wahooverse, the Wahooligans, who are in the culture, dialed in, you have connected with them on every touch point, from their pedals to the heart rate monitors, to the bike computers, to the indoor trainer. And you also have the Sufferfest. I want to hear more about this training program. And I did write, I do love the language. So before I ask you about it, is, it, is that the original language? Or did you guys create that? The Sufferfest was not us. No, that's David McQuillan's um, love child. Like, he loves it. And so the lore of Sufferfest and everything is David. Um, starting with videos many years ago and growing into the whole training platform it is now. But um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's, I'm just uh, going to read this it, because it is okay. so awesome. And on the shores of the great inland lactic acid sea lies the proud, tortured nation of Sufferlandria. We are a country that knows no borders, only lactate thresholds. Most of our citizens have only recently discovered their Sufferlandrian lineage. And we were washed onto our shores by waves of sweat and tears of their vanquished competitors. Forget those other countries. No one does suffering like we do. We live it, we breathe it, we chop it into sharp bite-sized pieces and eat it for breakfast. Make your next vacation a paincation. That speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> I it love that awesome. so much. <laughs> You're definitely a, 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 a Sufferlandrian in the making. Yeah. So talk to me about the training programs and the content and the library. What's going on? So we have been, so we acquired Sufferfest like over a year ago, maybe almost two years ago. And it's been, a, it's been a great marriage. David McQuillan is kind of the father of Sufferfest and the Sufferlandrian lore. And it's, it's, it's great. His videos, you know, his early videos were hilarious. And, and the thing that that lore kind of hides is all the science. So we've got a tremendous sports science team behind it. And, you know, when you're doing a very dark place, one of the, one of the workouts, there's a real reason for that workout besides all the lore and the fact that you're going to have, uh, you know, have your tunnel vision and, and, uh, and blood dripping out of your eye and everything else. These indoor rides are challenging, let me say. They are. They really can they are. And, and but they I mean, and you know it from the from the experiences you've had. Yeah. The, you can get so much more effective training indoors yeah. because you have stoplights and red lights and you can control just how hard you go for just how long. Yeah. So the Sufferfest was a was when we met David and, and we've always wanted to have more of the 
helping people get better, not just deliver the hardware. You know, we shouldn't just be a product company. We want to be a part of everyone's experience, um, both indoors and outdoors. And it, the Sufferfest was just a perfect, a perfect fit for us. Now, now, I, you know, I would say that that lore is somewhat narrowing. Some people aren't like a new cyclist, maybe a little put a little scared of that. So, you know, we're while we're not going to play with that at all. In fact, we'll expand it where we can. We are trying to add more content of different kinds for rest days or um, just lots of cool um, explorations of what you could do on a trainer with this, with a, you know, with, with an indoor, with your computer or your iPad that people haven't really done before. And it's some really exciting stuff that we're working on that I think, um, I think people will love some, some suffer fest lore completely and some not so much, but um, so kind of thinking it as channels of content that we'll be providing. Awesome. And so the kicker smart trainer is an open platform. It works with all of our favorite content platforms like Zwift and Ruby. And I don't know if Trainer Road is still happening, but <laughs> Trainer Road. Yep. I don't know. I, I think yep. I tried that once, but I'm a total Zwifter right now. That's my jam. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So our hardware works with all the platforms and there's more than there's you can so add. many, right? Yeah. And then you can go the opposite way, like Sufferfest and and everything we're doing there works with everybody's trainers. So um yeah, it's an, it's neat that it is an open platform and an open ecosystem because it allows you to explore. Because I I try different things and Netflix every time I'm on the trainer. Like yeah. I'm doing Zwift I'm listening to I'm a podcast. I'm watching I have Zwift going in the background. I'm like sort of watching a show and answering emails. Yeah, that's totally yeah. and then I've got my that's... coachy self saying, What? You're not focusing on the workout? <laughs> that's me. Well that's what erg mode's for. You don't have to focus. You just have to pedal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you through, you'll you'll get the right you'll get the right training effects. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know that Wahoo sponsors a lot of great teams hundreds of cycling teams and athletes and triathletes and you just started moving into the running space who are the new athletes that you're sponsoring in the world of running yeah so our first athlete ever is the best ultra runner of all time uh jim walmsley and um we just uh, announced it a month or so ago he won western states by a couple of hours last weekend a really incredible guy and already giving us tons of valuable feedback, which is really what, you know, it's kind of a um, symbiotic uh, relationship with our athletes. It's not just a sponsorship. You know, we try to work really closely with them and learn from them and they learn from us. And, um, you know, as we go into the running space with watches, we want to make sure that we're authentic and that we're serving up what runners need. And, you know, I've got a ton of those things already and we've yeah. got a ton of runners here so you know we always say we're not a bunch of well we are a bunch of engineers but we're also a bunch of passionate runners and that comes across in the products you know we use them every day our software developers that are writing the code and the watches are also out running with them um, and i think that really helps and uh what was some of the feedback he gave you from the watch? What are some of the great things that he said that he really liked if you're a runner and you're looking for a watch? Well, I, I to be I, I'm totally honest, he's got more um, things he wants us to do oh, okay. than things up already. <laughs> All right, let's go there. Business. Yeah, It's the world's best try watch. Um, it's not the world's best off-road hiking watch, but it will be. You know, the hardware is fully capable. So we're improving the kind of the, the GPS in really challenging environments. A gym goes out for an, you know, just a training day might be 
a 30 mile run in the Grand Canyon, which is one of the most challenging places in the world to run for a GPS. And not many people go run 6,000 meters, you know, over 30 miles in a day. So, um, so it's been great for us because we know, you know, we know what the what the bar is and the kind of things that people like Jim do, which not many humans can do, you know, every day is 20 or 30 or 40 miles, which is just insane. Yeah. So he's given us lots of feedback and, you know, we're working with him and, and making it better every day. It's just one watch right now. Yeah. So right now it's the rival, but yes, I mean, kind of like in the bike computer world, now we have three, you know, obviously I think um, the rival is a great place to start. It's uh, we started in the triathlon space because it happened, you know, because we already have the cycling world with all of our other products. And so it's a good bridge, but we do have aspirations to serve people that aren't triathletes or pure cyclists. And, um, and so we're, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We're going to take our time and do it right. But, um, and, and the rival is a fantastic running watch. So that's part of it is making sure people understand that just because it also can do swimming and cycling doesn't mean it's not a fantastic running watch with all, you know, all of the features of the best running watches in the world. And so Jim's using the rival and he, and he loves it, but yeah, we're, we're going to continue to build more uh, exciting products in that space for sure. And then the data on the watch syncs up with the Wahoo app, right? And then it could sync up with your training peaks and everything else. So it's in the whole system, right? Yeah, just like the bike computers, um, for people that are that are used to our bike computers, the interface that's on the watch is really the same as what we have on the element. We use the zoom, pinch to zoom, so you can add more fields or fewer fields. So, you know, if you're in your 30s or 40s and need reading glasses, you can still read your watch, which is a common thing for people. Yeah. So we've got lots of those features and we use our app to do most of the configuration because it's a lot easier to explain and set things up on an iPhone than it is on, you know, with four buttons or five buttons on a watch. Awesome. And so now how big is your community now? Like how many Wahooligans are there in the Wahooligan community these days? Oh my goodness. We have sold, I, I have no idea to be honest. It's um, hundreds and hundreds of thousands at least. We've sold lots of kickers and we've sold lots of bike computers and lots of watches. So, um, and I think most people that buy one tend to buy another over yeah, time. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really a family. When we first launched the bike computers, we thought we would sell mostly to people that had the, had kickers. But what we found is originally it was a whole different consumer. Like we weren't necessarily, you know, people were buying our bike computer and discovering the kicker, which was awesome because, um, you know, we kind of assumed that people with kickers would know who we are and they're the ones that buy our bike computer. Uh, and they do, but we also found that a lot of people got introduced to Wahoo through the bike computers. And so now we have a lot of people being introduced to Wahoo from the from the rival watch. Where does the name Wahoo come from, by the way? I mean, that's just such a cool name. Yeah, so the boat dock business was called Wahoo Boat Docks. And that was a business I bought from a gentleman that lived on Wahoo Creek in North Georgia. So he started building boat docks in his garage on Wahoo Creek, and he named his business Wahoo Boat Docks. And when I bought it, we moved it to another location. But it's funny, when we started Wahoo Fitness, we were in the dock business. So my engineers were drawing docks and we were all in the room and we were trying to come up with a name and we spent probably a month trying to just brainstorming. And, um, and, and Jim, one of the engineers said, Chip, why don't you just call it Wahoo Fitness? And I was like, 
ding. <laughs> you got it, Jim. <laughs> so he, he gets full credit for coming up with it. And it's been a fantastic name. Absolutely love it. It's uh, memorable and unique. And so it's been a good, good name for us. I want to hear more about the boat dock business. It's so cool. Boat docks, like four-story boat docks. That I've never heard of that. That's amazing. So how did you get into that? And what was that? So I, um, I wanted to be, kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I moved to Atlanta, my wife pushed me to become an entrepreneur and I bought a biz, a sign business originally that was bankrupt. And I had that for almost three years and, um, and ended up selling it and did pretty well with it. And so then I was looking for something else to do. And, um, and I had worked for myself for three years. So I was going to go do another business and Wahoo Boat Docks was for sale. And I grew up in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Uh, swimming, water skiing, uh, windsurfing every day and just love the water. And so when I saw that, I was like, boat docks, I want to do that. And so I, um, I ended up meeting the gentleman and buying, um, at the time it was bankrupt, but it was kind of a shell of its former company. And so uh, I bought that back all the way back in 2002 and, um, and started building boat docks. And it was a lot of fun. We, um, we build them and it's still, it's still here in North Georgia, but we would build them and sell them for people's lake houses. So it's like a really nice garage, you know, on the lake for your ski boat or your, um, your pleasure boat, whichever. I feel like it should be a show on like HGTV, like pimped out boat docks. I mean, I was really. Oh, it, it was, was on it? How, yeah. how build it or how's it built or something. Have you ever seen that show? They videoed it. Our dot. They yeah. That was probably the first famous thing we ever did way back in like 2008. They did yeah. How's it built? It was a Canadian film crew came down and filmed us in North Georgia. That's uh, so funny. So probably on Netflix. You can see how it was. And you went to graduate and undergraduate school at Rice. You have an MBA and you are an engineer. So it's so interesting. That was your business. And so what was the point where you started getting into fitness? What when did that happen for you? So it was in the doc business. So I was in my mid thirties. I was, uh, my wife was always kind of a, she would do exercise classes and go to the gym and she'd run, you know, you know, a few days a week. And I never did. I, like I said, I grew up, I wasn't anti-sport, but I never did team sports. I never did exercise for exercise sake. I do right. windsurfing, water skiing. And she, in, in, she talked to me into doing a duathlon in, in about 2006, 2007 with three other couples in our neighborhood. And, and I, you know, we mountain biked when we moved to Georgia because it's an incredible place to mountain bike. So I mountain bike some and I did BMX as a kid. So right. I was on bikes, but never rode bikes. And so that duathlon was really the turning point for me. I did not finish. I did a 5K run, which is the furthest I'd ever run in my life um, without walking. And then it was a 20 mile bike and I did it on my mountain bike, um, two laps around Callaway Gardens, uh, south of Atlanta. And then I was supposed to do another 5k run and I got off the bike and just sat down. I couldn't move. And, um, and that was kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something wrong. I probably, you know, I'm not as fit as I think I am. And, and one of my neighbors was like in his late seventies and he didn't finish. He finished like second to last, but he finished. So it was like, okay, this is, this is not good. And that, and I being a bit obsessive and competitive, that was really what started me down the road. I signed up for a boot camp. And, you know, 7 a.m. meet at meet at the park and do a mile run every, you know, do a mile run and push ups and sit ups. And I did that several months in a row and started getting pretty fast running. And there was a girl in that boot camp that had just done an Ironman and she talked 
into doing a, a triathlon. So I went and did a triathlon and then I was hooked. And so that's about the time I bought a compu trainer, a power meter. I started riding with a group of Dunwoody cycling like four days a week. I'd ride, you know, 150 miles a week. I just became obsessed and really never looked back. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun and, and road riding. I wasn't, you know, I'm not a super athlete, but it turns out I actually wasn't bad at it. I was able to go pretty fast and, uh, and triathlons the same way. So it's been a lot of fun. And so what are you doing now to stay fit? What's your workout or training of the moment? So I'm almost scared to tell you. So the last, so I'll tell you what I've been doing the last okay. five or six years. It's been all marathons I've done. Um, I tried to qualify for Boston. It took like four or five tries. And by the time I qualified, I was a runner. And so I run, I'm on the fifties masters Atlanta track That's club great. team. That's awesome. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So I've, so I got, I've kind of gotten to be decently fast. I ran, um, Houston marathon in 2019 and got under three hours, which for a 50 year old, is not bad. I feel like um, we're the same. But, we're the same age. I'm 49. I'll be 50 in November. So, so the piece I'm a little embarrassed about, not embarrassed, but, um, I always wanted to do an Ironman. I've never done an Ironman. I set out to qualify for Kona and, and I wanted to do Kona. So right, I set out to, to qualify. qualify. Yeah. So I set out to train to qualify a couple of years ago, got all my gear together. And the second outdoor ride hadn't been on a bike in a year. I wrecked on the silver comet here, went down on a wooden slippery bridge and broke my hip. And so that was like eight weeks I was out. And, and after the eight weeks, I went right back to running. I didn't go back to training for like, my track. I'm done. So, so then the rest of the story is about four weeks ago, Phil Sutherland, who runs Team No Nordisk and um, Super Sapiens. And yeah. Super I'm dialed Sapiens. into so, Super Sapiens. So, Phil gives me a little bit of credit for Super Sapiens. We're great friends. And we put uh, glucose data on our Element Forum a few years ago. So, long story short, Phil is the title sponsor for Kona this year. And Phil gave me an entry through that title sponsorship to Kona. So, I'm doing right. Kona this year. So my training has changed drastically over the last month. I'm, uh, I'm all in. My goal is to do Kona when I'm 90 because I figure I will qualify <laughs> and I will win in my age group. That's my strategy. I'm sticking to it. So you're going to do Kona. That's amazing. So what's your training like right now? It's nuts. I went straight from running like 40 or 50 miles a week to still running 40 or 50 miles a week and then just swimming, like trying to do three hours of swimming a week and five or six hours of biking a week. So I'm doing like 12 to 14 hours and uh, my body's just all tired all the time and I can't eat eating all the time, but it's no, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's great to have something new. Like running is awesome, but, uh, like I really didn't have any more goals for running after I yeah. broke three hours. Like my friends That's were great. like, oh yeah, go for 250. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I never thought I'd get hours of my life. That's I'm done. I'm gonna what do something else. What was the big else. difference for you? You're you know, you're 50, right? So we're a little older than 25. You know, what was the difference for like for you? Like how did you get fast enough? Like were you always fast or did you just do something different? What was it? I think running I think it's really obvious in swimming. Like if you jump in a pool and you've never swam, it's obvious. Somebody that swam in high school is just going to be super fast relative to you. I think what happened to me starting in my mid thirties is I did everything right. I'm still getting PRs every year. And I think it's because I was the guy that didn't ever do any exercise until I was in my thirties. So So it hasn't taken its toll on you yet. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't, I didn't build up an aerobic base and I didn't 
built and know how to run. Um, so I think a combination of all those things, I used to run, like, I would say if I ran 50 miles, I'd get injured. So when I was first running, I would, I wouldn't run that far. Cause I would, and now it's, I could run 70 miles and I wouldn't get, no so I think your body yeah. just gets you to it and that helps. So getting the mileage and the speed work and all the, you know, just training, yeah. right. Training, yeah. right. And what about for Kona? Where are you swimming in Atlanta? Are the pools open and everything now? Yeah, all the pools are open. And I have a little cabin on um, Lake Alatoona. So on the weekends, I'm trying to go do open water. It's not the ocean, but it's a lake. Um, yeah. So yeah, and Lifetime Fitness right now. My wife's always been a member there. So she added me to her membership so I can swim for my training. That's great. So. That's great. And so you're back on the bike and you're doing indoor stuff too. Yeah. I'm doing both. Yeah. So I'm trying to get as, uh, so being the techie nerdy guy, I only have so many Watts I can put out. Right. So I'm trying to get aerodynamic as I can possibly get. So I'm going and doing rides on this one flat road in Atlanta and trying a different helmet, trying to change my, you know, my position around and I'm, I'm getting better and better without, well, I'm getting a little more power because I haven't been riding in so long, but mostly it's like, how aero can I be, uh, to, to get free time free speed. You're on a TT bike, right? What kind of bike do you have? I have an Argon 18 and, and, and all the, all the, all the bells and whistles. And, yep. uh, yeah, just trying to tune it to, to fit me as well as I can and then get used to that. Position. And are you on the super sapiens program? I mean, obviously you were, I, I remember now cause Phil was on the podcast that he mentioned that you were like one of the founding people that got him started with super sapiens. Yeah. I am. I'm, yeah, I'm super psyched to be on it and using it. And I, and I actually used it back before super sapiens was a thing, but now I've been doing super sapiens for several months and it's fascinating. It really is. I like it a lot. I've been doing it. I've been trying to figure out my body changed from pre COVID to co to now. So my nutrition is just all over the map. I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure it out. I have a race in two weeks. So I'm really in this place where I tried the Morton hydration, the carbohydrates, I've been putting that in my water bottle and that's been helpful, but I really do like to eat bars on the bike, but the ones that I like that are gluten-free, that are dairy-free or chocolate covered and they melt and that's also horrible. Do you have any bar suggestions or you're doing the carbohydrates? My secret, which um, I think I can tell everybody my secret, um, it's not my secret, it's actually Team, Ineo, team Sky slash Team Ineos, um, pineapple juice. I love it. So 50% water, 50% pineapple juice. I swear by it. A bunch of the guys on Team Ineos or back in the day when I learned about it, it was Team Sky. They all drink half pineapple juice, half water. It's got hydration. It's really high calorie. So you get all the carbs and you get, uh, you know, whatever's in there besides sugar. It's natural. Um, I love it. It's like no cramps, lots of calories. It tastes good. So. Oh, that's cool. So you're incentivized to drink. And then... And also you're getting in the calories. You probably, you have to drink a bottle an hour. That's what I'm figuring, even though nobody wants to drink a bottle an hour. I mean, I have so many friends that bonk nutrition wise, but yeah, that's the bottom line. Yep. Yep. A lot. Got to drink a lot. Uh, so I have to figure out how to get pineapple juice delivered to me all over Kona, if that's possible. I don't know. <laughs> I've got to figure out that's, I've well, got to figure out. Maybe you got to get, talk to, is Dole still in business? Who makes pineapple juice? You've got to like get oh, them to sponsor I Kona. I did. I need to get sponsored by pineapple juice by Dole. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm full of all the ideas. So are you still windsurfing? Um, I do. I've been kiteboarding the last few years. Okay, uh, we have to go. I'm out. <laughs> you are totally, uh, that is so bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Bad? I'm kidding. I love, 
<laughs> well, Absolute sort of. Luck. I mean, you know, the windsurfers were like the runners, and oh yeah, I think most windsurfers have just switched to be kiteboarders. Yes, surfers, yeah, surfers hated uh, windsurfers. Now they hate kiteboarders even more. But but yeah, it's so fun. I mean, it's just so liberating to be able to just ride and. Yeah. yeah are it. you doing it on the lake or there's not enough wind there? I have to go places. That's the only bad thing. Yeah. It's just more passion. I don't get to do it very often, but when I go someplace that I can, I absolutely love it. So you uh, did it where you grew up. Where did you windsurf in Mississippi? Yeah. It, Ocean Springs, which is right next to Biloxi, which is kind of you know, between New Orleans and Pensacola for people that okay. haven't, uh, that don't know that area at all. But, uh, yeah. It's not pretty water, but it's, it's a, it's an awesome place. Uh, the Mississippi kind of dumps into the Gulf coast in there. So it's a little Brown, but it's clean. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where I grew High up wind. and I went, yeah. I, yeah, so lots of winds and, and there's barrier islands offshore. that are like six miles offshore that are just pristine, beautiful, clear water, you know, white sand beaches and no people. Cause they're, they're just barely, right. they're like that seashore. That's awesome. Spent lots, of time, lots of time on boats out there on the islands going uh, or windsurfing out there. I know. I have to get back to it. I was, I've been, I started windsurfing when I was like 16. Got a chance to windsurf last summer since there were no races. I went out. Well, we live in New York City, but we drive out to the Hamptons and windsurf just in Amagansett in the bay. The wind is amazing out there, but there, there's tons of people out there windsurfing. So, and everyone is kiteboarding now. Try it. It's worth it. It's five days of training, kiteboarding, flying downwind yeah yeah it takes a while to learn but it's worth it uh it's definitely once you get it it's so cool that's awesome so what's next for wahoo fitness what are some big things that all the wahooligans can look out for in uh the final months of 21 and into 2022 we got a lot going on i don't know if i'm allowed to tell you anything we've got lots of new products coming before the end of the year and, and then next year, the power pedals are already announced. I'm kind of obsessed with a few products that are um, that I'm really excited about that are going to be probably early next year. And then the whole software team has been working on on everything Sufferfest. So we've got, you know, a lot of behind the scenes going on there. We'll have a lot of big announcements that I think people will love. A lot of new content and really exciting stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're not slowing down, that's for sure. No, it's why fun. would you? <laughs> this is like the next decade is going to be all about people, really, people who are not athletes, like beyond the athlete spectrum, right? Like just really trying to stay healthy and fit to preempt the disastrous past year. So yeah, it's really, I mean, if there's one bright thing about COVID, I think it brought people back to more natural sports, running and cycling and, um, you know, cycling needed a a shot in the arm, you know, yeah. it's been kind of, it hasn't inter- even triathlon. So I think it's going to be fantastic for the, for the sports that we, that we love over yeah. the next several. I agree. Well, this has been so wonderful to sync up with you. Have fun at Kona. Enjoy the race and crush it. <laughs> Thank you. That's the goal. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. 
I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 